Hey, my friends, Scott Bridwell here. That's right, I'm back. It's been a while. I actually took a couple of weeks off after my dad's death and uh, just took some time to think and, you know, do all that stuff you do. Uh, it's a horrible thing to go through. Don't wish that on nobody, but it's something we all have to experience in life, unfortunately. Right now, I'm on vacation. I'm in Vancouver, Washington, visiting my children. Had this scheduled for a while prior to my dad dying. I actually thought about canceling it there for a little bit. And then I thought, you know what? I need this. But while I'm there, I'm also going to schedule some podcasts. And so what I did was I set up uh, three or four podcasts. One just canceled this morning. He had some things come up. But this first episode, episode number six, is with my friend Ramona Locken. I'll put uh, her contact information in the show notes. That way you can follow her on Facebook. Maybe if you want to contact her, bring her in, let her speak, do some things like that. Feel free to do so. I'm sure she would love it. She's got an amazing story. We get into some of that. Part of that story is the fact that she was actually almost lost everything. And financially, her marriage, everything. It was just destroyed there for a little bit. But she's back. And back with a vengeance she is. She's now a managing broker of a real estate agency. I think it's called Realty One. She's also a trainer and a teacher. She's a certified coach. We talk a little bit about that. The funny thing about her being a certified coach is she started out being a dating coach. And we get a little little bit of dating advice going on. Some of my, my rules and some of her questions about that actually turns into just a great, fun conversation. Really enjoyed it. Ramona, I know you're listening to this. Thank you so much. talk and see how close you want to be okay so okay so the question is can I hear myself is it supposed to sound like muffled no let me see something um let me see headphones testing one two is that better yeah you're a little loud a little loud so where's it comfortable at okay so keep talking I'm just gonna keep talking and you just tell me what's comfortable right that's good okay so pull yours closer and see how how, how, and you can just adjust that any way you want. The little thing right there will turn it. This? Yeah. Right here, okay. Yeah, you can just, well, you just loosen just it, then pull it towards you. So, oh, I, okay, I see. Yeah. Okay, so how's that? How do I sound to you? Well, how do you sound to you? Are you too loud? Let's see. Let me, let me talk a little bit. Um, so this will give you a graph of where my voice is because I'm closer and where your voice is. Okay, so you're on the top, or, or no, that's me right, right there. Okay, so mine seems pretty quiet on there. Right, so if you pull it up, just adjust this up a little bit, and you want to talk to the side of the mic, right there. Okay, like this? Right, isn't that much better? That is better. That yeah. is better. <laughs> that is better. Okay, there's so, no nerves going on over here, that's for sure. Trust me, <laughs> I'm probably more nervous than you. Uh, I'm going to silence his phone it's funny when you say the phones don't work in here and then they work uh, right it's always a surprise what's going on here so it's a surprise I <laughs> so where was um, i it's september the 11th you were on the 205 bridge taking your kids to school i i uh like i said i was in battleground we were living at the cedars golf club and the duplexes there i don't want you to think by any means i was making enough money to own a home at the cedars golf club in 2001 
which would have been nice. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful golf course. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorite. Uh, so we're in the duplex. I wake up. Uh, son is not in school yet. Uh, Chris sitting in his tidy whities or whatever, and we're watching TV and watching all this take place. I literally went and got my kids up. I went and got them up. You've got to watch this. So uh, it was important for you to have them watch history happen. Right. I mean, how many times do you see the Hindenburg crash? You, you don't. How right, many times yeah. you get to see that? And it's not that that's a great thing. I, I guess I knew I knew what was coming, and I wanted my kids to be able to say, "No, I was sitting there. I and I remember seeing this." Now, how vivid my son's memory is, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like I said, he's four, maybe. But my daughter is around eight. And shortly after that, we're all talking about going to war. Everybody's talking about going to war. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son asked me one day, he says, Daddy, why do we go to war? I said, because sometimes bad people need killed. Ooh. Uh, and he goes, oh, okay. And goes on and does his thing. Well, so that's kind of cool. You didn't go into any kind of philosophical explanation. He's or four. you didn't Right. Yeah, you just you just said it like it was, like... Right. Yeah. You, I, didn't, you didn't give any, like you didn't you didn't make any exceptions or um, give excuses or anything. You just. No, I learned a long time ago. Uh, how old are your kids? Oh gosh. I, well, my oldest is twenty nine and my youngest is eleven. Okay. Well, my. Oh, <laughs> you you weren't thinking, were you? <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> so. Uh, I was thinking, but not. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> I was seeing a doctor about a year or so ago, and it was a VA, and he's asking me these questions and said something about kids, and he's got a 22-year-old and a 2-year-old. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're advising me medically? <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, the 2-year-old's adopted. I said, okay, well, you're not my therapist, so I'll, I'll go with that then. <laughs> you can. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, no, yeah. I learned a long time ago with kids, and tell me if you agree. When you're, a kid asks you a question, you answer to the point of, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I heard once a long time ago that when a kid asks ask you a question, you, you, it's that whole um, be sincere, be succinct, and sit down. So mm-hmm. just answer their question sincerely and succinctly and stop talking. And and then they'll come back later and maybe ask another question. But if you go on and on and on and, and talk about things, they're gonna get all they're gonna spin out. They're gonna be like, I, I don't know what you're talking about right now, or it's gonna lead in some other questions they weren't wondering. Or that you don't want to answer. <laughs> yeah, so, just right, where does babies come from? They come from your mom. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, she brought me dinner. She brought dad a yeah. baby. So. <laughs> okay, mom. Yeah. And then that's it. Then later on they'll be like, I wonder what dad meant that mom. Like what? What do they mean they come from mom? And then they'll come back and ask another question. You just answer that one question. Right. And as soon as they say, uh-huh, I'm done. Because yeah. that's a kid's way of saying, okay, I got my answer. Where's the Play-Doh? I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I did with my son. I, another thing, we were up there one day, and I, I grew up in southeast Tennessee. So uh, a lot of the assumptions that people have about me may be true. Um, I didn't want that to be all tangled up. The We're out there one day playing, and all these people that live in that neighborhood, uh, their kids are in the same yard as ours, and they're playing, and um, 
this one little boy and my son's got their guns. And they're bang, 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 bang. And that one mother stopped the son. And he's like, I told you, you can't point that at anybody. And just reflexively, I just look over. I said, well, how's he supposed to shoot anybody if he's not pointing his gun at them? <laughs> the wife at that time came over here and took me away from You can't talk like that to these people. I'm like, it's just a toy gun. But uh, like Yeah, it. yeah. But where do you cross the line? With a real gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't point the real gun. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, yeah. This I I reminds me um, two thing two things um, on what to say to to children when they ask questions. Um, remember years ago? Oh my gosh, like fifteen, sixteen years ago, maybe longer. But um, Heinz ketchup and some spice had, you know, they had like spicy Heinz ketchup. Mm-hmm. It, it might have been a different ketchup company, but. Um, um, so the the whole premise of their commercial was it was like kind of romantic movie like bomb shakal wow wow you know uh-huh. ketchup got together with the spice and made the spicy ketchup, and um, the song so my friend had two young girls and we were in the car and that commercial came on the radio, and the the girl who's like eight or nine um, asked her mom what does what does that mean like like hook up or something like that she goes mom what does that mean, and she goes oh you know she got nervous. And she started going into this really long explanation about things. Well, the daughter just wanted to know what it was like. What does hookup mean? And all she had to do was answer together. like, "Yeah, oh, you know, they like real succinctly could have answered that." I know. <laughs> I said the word brothel. I was with a this woman I was dating uh, last year in Tennessee, and we were on this road trip, and I said something about the word brothel. Well, her grandson, who's nine years old, was in the back seat, and he looks at me and goes, "What's a brothel?" Well. Immediately, both his mother and his grandmother both turned around. No, Scott, no. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let him be the one that explains this. Yeah. And I looked over him and said, it's a really fun hotel. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Just let it go. Yeah. Well, my other funny story about that is when, um, when I was uh, between third and fourth grade, my, my mother was single and um, she had remarried. She mm-hmm. got married to this really nice man and... And uh, so sometime during, the, I think, the end of my fourth grade year, um, that's when the, the news, all over the news, was about the first test tube baby. Oh. And so in fourth grade at school, and, and my mother always answered my questions, you know, and so I, I knew a little bit about the birds and the bees, but I could not wrap my head around what a test tube baby was. And, you know, does it, does it grow in a test tube? Does right, it, like, right. What? I, ca- I couldn't get it. So I went and I asked my mom, because I could ask her anything. I said, Mom, what's a test tube baby? And she saw this as a moment where my stepdad and I could bond. And she's like, why don't you go ask your, your dad? He'd, he'd like this. I was like, okay. So I went out to him and I said, hey, Dad, Mom, want me to ask you, what's a test tube baby? And his eyes got big and he took a deep breath and he goes, well, come with me. So he goes and he gets this encyclopedia. He, you know, he had the big encyclopedia set. This was remember like in those? the 70s. Yeah, remember those? Right. Yeah, everybody had them, and that was, you know, proud if you had a big set. And um, so, so he went and he got out the encyclopedia, and he opened it up to the woman's anatomy, and he's showing me everything. And he opened it up to the men's anatomy, and he showed me all that, and he explained how, you know, things were done. I, I mean, this man went into detail. And you're how old? I'm... By what four? I was at the end of fourth grade. Oh wow! Yeah. So, but which we had already had sex ed class in school, and I already knew a few things, and I had brothers, so nothing was shocking. He was telling me. Right, right. And so, at the end of it, he closed the book and he goes, "And that's how babies are made." 
And I knew it for yeah, what okay. it was. Like he's, yeah, he's like taking a lot of pride. And and I said, okay, that's that's good. Thank you. Um, how are test tube babies? <laughs> that's right. You didn't answer my question. <laughs> and he got frustrated. He shut the book and he goes, go ask your mom. <laughs> 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 no, how are you with your kids? Did you want your kids to ask you or tell you everything or anything? Oh, I wanted them to be open with me. I wanted to know. I, you know, their kids are going to have their autonomy and they, they're going to want their secrets. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of, I think, part of us as humans, as nature. We kind of want our, you know, information to be hold tight sometimes. So I knew that. But I wanted them to be able to have the ability to come to me and, and talk to me about anything. And I and I would always tell them, it, you know, listen, it's, you know, no matter what you, you see, do, say, experience you know i have probably seen it done it experienced it know somebody who has like nothing's going to shock me mm-hmm. so you know and, and as long as you're coming in in you know honesty and and um transparency you know things are going to be good but but if you don't tell me something and you go off and it you know and you cause trouble that that's going to be a really hard thing that that's going right. to be hard for you know because trust then breaks down and so they 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 didn't always come out and, you know, always tell me, like my older ones. Um, there was, um, he went to Evergreen High School. He graduated in um, 2007. Okay. And um, while he was in high school, I was having other parents complain and, and talk to me about the drug issue that was there. And my son never said anything about it. And they were saying their kids were coming home like, oh, yeah, the drugs are so bad there. So I asked him one day, I said, hey, his name's Jesse. I said, Jesse, is there there a drug problem at the school and he's like yeah oh yeah I was like well what do you do about it and he's like well when they come to me and say anything I just tell them no I don't do that and and I said they leave you alone and he's like oh yeah he goes they leave you alone they're not gonna they're not like that it's like okay well you know then I had to ask like have you tried anything and he's like well mom he goes I'm in high school you know of course but he goes it's dumb he goes I don't do it so I thought that was a really cool moment. Like, I, I could tell he was being really honest with me. So even though he didn't come right to me and say anything, it, it was, uh, and it was a much longer conversation than that at that time. But right. yeah, he felt, he felt trust enough to me to share information. And I trusted him enough to, that I was getting the truth from him. Well, I, I, that's cool. And I always wanted to be that with my kids too. But there were certain things that I just didn't want to know about. Yeah, so you never asked? I don't want to know. Don't, I mean, well, don't, one don't day, ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't <laughs> tell. I, I, dad, I'm fine being the dad in oblivion, right? <laughs> uh, Ignorance is bliss. Right. Well, one day she's taking the boy to get his uh, first sports physical. Mm-hmm. And so she calls me. Did you tell him what they're going to do to him? No. She said, well, don't you think he needs to know? No. Then he can be like every other man. Go in there, get surprised, walk out and suppress his feelings. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Generations of men have done this. He'll be fine. She gets there, drops him off. He goes back. She calls me. Well, I told him. I said, well, now, now he's going in there not only stressing, thinking this old man's going to reach and touch me there. My mom knows about it. And then instead of being able to walk out and suppress and act like nothing happened, I got to walk out and see my mom looking at me, knowing that this old guy just reached and touched me there. And what was your son's perception of it? How did he... He's just like, well, he's like every other young boy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it happened. I, I, I want to play football. All right. You, you do yeah. things. Yeah. I, and I can see that. Like, they're going to find it out. They're going to they're gonna know. But they talk amongst themselves. They talk amongst themselves. Right. But yeah. I didn't, I, my big thing was now he knows you know. Right. <laughs> and you've brought a whole new stress level to him. 
And now, so when he walks out, don't ask him about it. Just go and get ice cream. He'll be fine. Yeah. See, I think that's the difference between, and I hate to gender stereotype, but right. it's because um, there's personalities and stuff too. But I think that's the difference between how men are wired and, and boys and how girls are wired. And mothers. And, yes. Yeah, we want to talk about it. We want to prepare. We want to strategize. We and wanna, nurture you know, when and they come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've seen that. I mean, I've, I've had boys. I have one daughter. But I, I definitely see the difference from an early age of, of the differences with that. You know, my boys would come home from school. And how was school? Fine. Yeah. Did you learn anything today? Oh, yeah. Oh, my, I asked my son oh. that one time. He said, it's public school, Dad. And then just walked off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but my nieces or, you know, my friend's daughters would come home, and you wouldn't even have to ask them a question of how was school. You knew every single detail. You knew what Sally said. You knew what she ate. You knew what she was wearing. <laughs> you, knew, you knew everything. Exactly. You knew everything. The uh, Well, with my daughter, my daughter got into roller derby, and, um, of course, a lot of the roller derby girls, some of them are in the medical field. And my daughter was... She'd ask me how Kaylee was. was actually, this was before Kaylee got into roller derby, but she was asking me about it. And she said, well, have you talked to her about, like, uh, uh, she got a gynecologist? Mm. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. She said, well, what about, like, you know, is there certain tests? And she started going into, I said, Dolly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> she said, well, you should talk to her about these things. No, I should not. I should be the dad that makes dumb dad jokes. And does embarrassing things from time to time and is there when she needs me. She's got a mother. She's got two grandmothers. She's got several women around her to talk to her about those things. It is not my responsibility. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to know. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing. You, you bring up a point that um, the thought of it takes a village. Right. That's probably why it takes a village is because everybody's got their little role and their the thing that they do. And It definitely it does. And I've got my role that I'm not going to do, right? <laughs> Uh, things I don't want to talk about with my kids. So that's that's why I was wondering how uh, you approached it. Again, I think many times it's a gender stereotype. I mean, how many times you see the old, the stereotypical dad on TV who's oblivious to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, as yeah. much as I don't like a lot of those stereotypes, I know they're absolutely true. I mean, we have stereotypes for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I had a college professor that used to tell me that, and and so there, you know, it's it's there's communication that's that's typically the stereotype for the mother or the, the woman's role is to be more communicative with their, their children and, mm-hmm. and talk through things. But the dad's role is, is more like playful and wrestling and joking and you know doing the d- stupid dad, dad jokes, jokes and stuff and like that. But both are needed. Both are both. needed. And I, and I do think that can happen because when, when you bring this up, especially in the culture that I live in now, they'll say, well, that's why we need a, a man and woman. Well, I, being around same-sex couples, I typically see that role play out there as well. Absolutely. It's a gender identity, maybe, a, or a, I don't know. I, I mean, and I don't want to overstep or say things wrong right. either. But um, but you typically but see one I mean. that takes that role. personality roles, too. Right. Yeah. Right. I like that. Yeah. So there are ones that take that role. That's interesting. That's. It is. Yeah. And so I, I never do it. But so I, we met, we were talking about that earlier. We met years ago. You were in real estate. I don't know who you were with at the time. I was with Stuart Title. I was with Remax for a long time. Which one? Um, over on Tech Center Drive with Kent Walsh. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I used to go to that office a lot because um, we were at the glass buildings, Mill Plain 1. Yeah, yeah. That's where over we were. Over at Park. Park Plaza. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's where our office was. And I got into that. And that's People always ask me, how did you get in title and escrow? Because it's primarily a female business. Uh, I had moved to Yakima and was working at a factory making fishing lures for Yakima Bait and Warden Lures. I was making that. And we were having dinner with some friends one night. And the girl was talking about she got this job. And she was making more money than me. And she went to this temp agency. Well, she didn't say I'm making more money than you. She told me how much money she was making, and I did my own math. And I was like, <laughs> and we left dinner, and I looked at the wife. I said, I'm going to that temp agency. I know I'm smarter than her. I can get a better job than what I'm getting. And so I go and contact the temp agency, and they want me to do a 10-key test. And so I went and bought a 10-key and taught myself 10-key. I knew how to type and do all the other stuff, so I wasn't worried about it. They placed me in a title company, answering phones and and the rest was history. The rest was history <laughs> until 2008 when it became big history. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we had six or seven offices in the area, and then they just had to start shutting offices down based on leases. And then by yeah. the time it recovered, I'd been so far out and moved on to other things in my life. But it was a good business. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. And it was a fun time, too. It was um, – the, I, I feel really blessed. I, I came into real estate in 2001, and um, fortunately joined Remax at the time, and um, I was licensed in Oregon and Washington, and, and still am, but um, uh, I had John Van Lu on the Oregon side and Kent Walsh on the Washington side. I know side. Kent. Yeah, and they were just, they're two amazing men. Kent, Kent still, um, I think he's writing books and children's books and stuff. Yeah, but John Van Lu passed away a few years ago, and that was sad, because he was, a, he was a, an amazing man. So you wrote a book. I am. Well, yeah, you are I, writing a book. It's. I'm about three quarters of the way done. I. Um. But yeah. Yeah. What started that? Well, um, it's interesting. It's something that's. Um, I mean, I don't have this grand aspirations of it's going to be this major bestseller or anything like that. There's just, um, I think events in my life, and we all have a story, right? We all have a story, and. Uh, d- d- just in talking with different people and, you know, sharing my story, people was like, oh, my goodness, you should write a book. And and um, I was like, oh, no, no, you know, it's like you kind of poo-poo ideas and stuff. Well, um, I had somebody um, who I was recently getting to know, and she turned to me one day, and she's like, you need to write a book. And just out of the blue, she's like, you need to write a book. And she said it in such a way where I thought, like, wow, that was completely out of nowhere, and it was almost like prophecy being said, like, said over me or something. And then within a couple of days, Corrine Mills had started this uh, write a book in a month okay. project. And she, she had wrote this really nice, um, it's called The Sixth Sense, this small book that she had wrote in, in a month. And, and so I signed up for, for that. And, and um, it was supposed to be like a nice, quick little writing Short of a book. Short story or whatever, yeah. <laughs> turned into a little bit bigger of a book. <laughs> so um, I, I have um, the ending that I need to put in <laughs> and some editing of it and then figure out what it means for publishing and putting it out there. Well, that was my next question. I mean, are you looking at self-publishing? You're going to, or maybe, if so, maybe? Um, yeah, probably a self-publishing. I've, I've been doing some research on that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not because I'm, I'm worried about, um, you know, money or, uh, I, mean, I mean, like, you know, people, they, do self-publishing because they want to keep more of their monies as opposed to putting it out on Amazon. It's, you know, or anything. There's, um, there's a few different avenues to take it. 
um, like I, I said, I had no grand aspirations of having this be a national bestseller, or, you know, anything down that path. But yet it's, it's been kind of surprising that a few different people who I've had re- read it so far, um, the feedback that I'm getting. And, right. and so I'll be curious to see where it goes when it's done and, and ready for that. And I, th- I think the avenue that it gets put out, it, it'll present itself as I get closer to it being completed. So I don't do a lot of writing as far as long form essay. But when I do write, I find it very uh, cathartic. What about you? I mean, what's what's writing for you? So that's interesting, cathartic. So what, what do you mean by that? Healing. Okay, that's that's what my mind went to. So it's like, um, I would say the same thing. It's it, it's somewhat inspirational at the at the same time because Correct. you have healing with the hope that it's getting better. There's that it's growing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we, I think each of us, we have a story and that, that was, you know, I've, I've heard other authors and other people say that and, and going through this class that Karina put together that, you know, we all have a story, like even, even your story of, you know, your, your children and, you know, like that's a story and there's, you right. couple that with a few other stories and, and a point and you, you've got maybe a little book, right. And, and stuff. So you think, Oh, but who would want to read that? You know, and, and and I feel very much the same way, um, and yet there's there's a, these events in my life that they're just my life events. But oddly enough, people people seem to have some kind of inspiration from them. And so, you know, it's it's I'm I'm just gonna it's cathartic, it's inspirational for myself. Um, it's it helps me own my story and feel like yeah, that's it's odd, but it's mine and. And this right. is what it is, and if it lands in somebody else's lap and they enjoy it, then I guess that's the best I can hope for. Well, uh, it's like this podcast, right? Uh, when I sit down and talk to, or when I ask people, we'd be on the podcast. Yeah, uh, what are you going to talk about? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just let it go. Just, just let whatever go. happens, we're going to talk. And it's weird how many people. I mean, I don't have I don't have millions of followers, but just of the podcast I've done, I'm. Um, like I did one with this and, and I do no promotion except on my own website or my website. I don't really promote a lot. Most of my promotion is via Facebook. I put it on Facebook and if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you see it, you may follow it and go listen to it. So the number one that I got right now is I met this lady who's a arc druid. She, uh, I have a Facebook page in Athens uh, and uh, she's like, hey, can I promote my pagan group on your page? Because she'd ask a few of the other pages in Athens, Tennessee, and they're like, no, go away. And I'm like, sure, why not? I want to see what this is about. So she put it on there, and um, she starts putting together this dinner event for all these people who identify as pagan, and she invites me to it. Well, I'm not doing anything for dinner that night. Let's go see. So I go down, and I meet these people, and, and I'm not pagan. Uh, but I go down and meet these people, and I meet her, and she starts talking about ley lines and vortexes and all these druid wisdom things. So shortly after that, I thought, I want to talk to her more. I want to learn more about this. Uh, not that I'm interested and I want to become one. It's just I'm interested and I want to know more about it. I'm 
I am more yeah, of a seeker. Yeah, it's this seeker. whole other world that's out there that they had no clue about probably before. Right, and I got a lot of misconceptions about. I mean, mm-hmm. when you say pagan, I'm thinking about these guys in goat skin pants <laughs> dancing around some ruin, right? <laughs> Remember that movie, Dragnet? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. I'm actually on a date one night, and this girl in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, starts. it's our first date, and she starts asking me stuff about you know, my background as far as faith. And I'm trying to avoid it and change the subject because I don't want to talk about this. And um, finally she goes, are you a pagan? I'm not a pagan. Because <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was Dan Aykroyd yeah. and Tom Hanks <laughs> in that movie. She was a pagan. So <laughs> oh, 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 no. Did you have a second date? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No second date. She um, ended up blocking me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, my point being, we I just sat down and talked to her and had a conversation like this, and it blew me away. I mean, I think last time I looked, I had like 50 downloads, which isn't a lot in podcast world. But for being your third podcast, doing no marketing, and I, just the amount of people that I didn't know who had listened to it that came up to me in town, that was such a fascinating conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's a curiosity. I wonder how many pagans listen. And well, and but that's so what I'm thinking about. When you said that about your story, who wants to read this story, you'd be surprised how many people want to read that story because your story is their story. Right, yeah, there's threads of similarity that you can see and, and find. And Right, I mean, when yeah. I went through my divorce, it was one of the hardest things I ever went through in my life. It literally about destroyed me. Mm-hmm. I never had thoughts of hurting myself or anything like that, but it literally about destroyed me and I'm sure there's plenty of people around me at the time who thought that could be a possibility Um, lost pretty much anything that I identified with Uh, financial I was destroyed all that it it literally just about destroyed me and the whole time you're going through that you think you're the only one Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's the isolation of it and and that's uh, it feeds into that like I'm the only one and so you isolate because nobody else could understand and so then and that builds then you money. isolate so, more. Yeah, yeah. Now you're proving your point. And um, yeah, there's it's a, the pity party for one is a is a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible trap to get into. Yeah. And then then I started reading a lot, and I started finding out. Okay, I'm not the only one that's going through tragedies. I'm not the. Um, but you had to fight some identity with that too, because I mean, there's some like you know, you I'm the be. only one. You feel like you're special and unique because you know nobody else could possibly have this, like what I'm going through. Right. And then when you find out other people do, it's like, oh, okay, you're not that unique or special in that room. <laughs> My ex-wife wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> She's not that horrible. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's that. It's like when you start hearing other people's stories. It's like, what is that? That there's that old saying is, um, if everybody were to throw their problems on the street, you'd fight for your own back because exactly you see what other people go through and you're like, oh. Yeah, I'm not so bad. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, well, we recently, recently lost my dad. Mm, I'm sorry. Uh, well, thank you. It was uh, August 5th, and it was a sudden death, just all of a sudden. And, of course, everybody's like, oh, my God, well, if and he was in his sleep. Uh, well, if you're going to go, I mean, that's a good way to go. And I said, and I remember looking at somebody, well, I, I did this with multiple people. I said, you always want what you didn't get. You know, um, the people that had the long, drawn-out death process where you got to say your goodbyes, but it was painful to see them go, you want the quick, let them go in their sleep process. So you would have wanted to say goodbye? 
I don't know. I just know that the people who get the really quick one is like, well, I didn't have time to say goodbye. And, you know, you always want what you don't get. Yeah. And that's yeah. where I came to. Instead of going down that road of wanting, I went down, this is reality. You get, I got what I got. And I always want what I didn't get. So there's no point in doing that. Let's focus on this and go through that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like the grass is greener on the other side, or something. You know, it's whatever. It's it's um, and it's trying to find the the blessing and and you know the I don't know the positive side of things. And um, so here's here's kind of a recent realization I've had that um, I haven't shared with anybody else. So um, just me and you. Don't worry about this it. This is yeah. This is yeah. Keep this secret right That's here. Right. And it's one of those things. I don't know how to say this without it sounding kind of somewhat. Horrible. I mean, my head, because I've only said this in my head, it sounds a little bad. But so, so my, my I lost my mother when I was young. Mm-hmm. I was 13. So, um, and, you know, so and I've missed out on a lot with her, right? Mm-hmm. But now that I'm older and I have friends who are losing their parents suddenly or have the long drawn out sicknesses, especially those long drawn out sicknesses where they're watching their parents. Um, deteriorate in front of them and they're not the same person that they used to be and you know that the vibrant person that they knew as a child is now this you know the caretaker role is reversed right and I mean that's tough and I look at them and I think I'll take mine I'll, I'll I mean it was sad not having my mom but I that would be really really super hard to go through what I watch my friends going through right now right I don't know how people do it it's uh it was sudden and uh, I think the hard part for me is I'm watching mom. They were married 49 years or something. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, and it sounds horrible that I'm, I'm happy that my mother passed away when I was younger. That sounds really selfish and, and stuff. But yeah, kudos to you and everybody else who's going through that with their parents because that's, that's a lot. Right. It's a, it's a different thing. The uh, so the book itself, you've got stories. You got a story. I mean, what was the the basis of it? I mean, I, I tell you what I found interesting, and you made this public, so I'll I'll okay. I'll just ask you about it. It it seemed a point that you lost almost everything, and yeah. yeah so and and then I watched you over Facebook, and, and kudos to you. You never it wasn't this pity party on Facebook. It wasn't. I had one day. I, I well, I mean, there was probably more than a couple of days, but there was this one particular post in it that was like total. <laughs> right, but I also know that we put a false image up on Facebook, especially those of us who have a public face on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you, being in real estate, you can't go up there and put what a lot of people put on there. I mean, a lot of people put stuff on there. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is why there's a lot of women I haven't asked out. You know, I go and read their Facebook Facebook and I read those posts and I thought, I don't want to read this post. What makes you think I want to sit in a car and listen to this? You know, when you're not being guarded, what if you're... Yeah, right. This is is edited and... (laughs) Right. No, I don't, I don't want the drama you got on Facebook. I don't want your drama in real life. You, when you were going through, and I don't know all the details, but I know you went through a very difficult time uh, and... Although you may have had a couple of moments, you had a very good persona up front. Now, was that because you were, I don't, yeah, no, you were still, you were in real estate at the time. So do you want to walk yeah. through that? Yeah. Because um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing the book has something to do with. Yeah. Well, my book is about change. So that the title, because I, I, I did the kind of a survey on online about, um, 
you know what to call the book. So the the book yeah, title. Yeah, um, Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I always love your comments because they're they're funny and they're they're spot on usually. So yeah, it was the book title is um, was that my exit? Because no. you know when you know you need to make a change and you don't, and now you're kind of stuck on this road and you panic and that pit in your stomach, like oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And you know, so that's the name of my book. Was that my exit? Because there's um, usually in relationship or it could be a job or, you know, situations where you kind of know you need to make a change. And I'm a believer that if you know you need to make a change and you don't, the universe is going to show up and bitch slap you into that change. And it's not going to be You're fun. making the change. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make that change. But, you know, by now you either have like a heart disease or you have a really horrible relationship or job, you know, it's, you got fired from your job or something, right? So, um, so looking, I, I mean, the, the, big change that I had besides, you know, when I was younger, you know, parents died. That was, you know, that was what it was. But um, being in a, in a marriage where um, I, I should have probably chose to leave that marriage long before I, I um, was forced to. <laughs> but you're, long before you know, I got you're, bitch slapped. <laughs> yeah, I totally got bitch slapped. Um, but you, you know, especially in a, in a relationship, there's, you know, you're always hoping for the best. And, you know, is this just a phase? Is this, oh, he'll change, we'll change, we'll get counseling, we'll this, we'll, you know. Yeah, never do couples counseling. Yeah. <laughs> never do couples counseling. Well, <laughs> I have some thoughts on that, too, because they will use that stuff against you later. <laughs> it, it, it will be used against you. Never. I, I totally recommend individual counseling. Yeah. Do not do couples counseling. Yeah, it'll come up again. Yeah, and so <laughs> that's funny. Um, And so... Because I didn't choose to leave, and you know, the, the writing was on the wall, but because I didn't choose to leave sooner, I, I was in a position where we com- I completely lost everything. Right. And, and fortunately, you know, knock on wood, um, you know, my health and the health of my children, all that was intact. That was good. But um, the financial devastation, it's, it's still, let's see, it's four and a half years now, and, and I'm still digging out of the financial repercussions of that. And it wasn't because there was, you know, credit card debts and things that we were trying to live this extravagant life and couldn't keep up. There was decisions he was making that, um, through his business, that impacted me because I was married to him financially. Right. So. No, I totally agree. And that was a lot of what happened with mine is... Um, <clears throat> There were things going on financially I wasn't aware of, and um, I, at one point, started to leave, and because I have this uh, staunch Southern Baptist culture, <laughs> you never divorce, uh, and didn't believe in it, and didn't want to do it, I didn't even stay a whole night away. I came back that night, hey, let's work this out, then a few years later, some more stuff happened, and and it just snowballed. It, it goes back to that principle that I try to tell people. You teach people how to treat you. And yeah, when I go yeah. back and when I say, okay, we're going to work this through, we're going to work this through. Well, what that's teaching them is, okay, well, I can do it again, but this next time worse. And it just kept wow. snowballing, snowballing, wow. and getting worse. Yeah, yeah. And because I'm still stubborn, I'm not leaving, I'm not divorcing her. She left me and, divor- and it was over. And, and that's when, uh, you know, here I'm identified as, a husband, my kids are becoming adults, I'm identified as a father, but now I'm an empty nester father, um, so I totally get the, and then you get all the financial repercussions from it, mm-hmm. all the 
self, I will say self-imposed social implications or self-imposed uh, guilt associated with it that I had to deal with. Now I'm the type of person when somebody comes up and says, well, what do you think about divorce? It's a pretty good option. <laughs> <laughs> there are some cases where I would highly recommend it. Yeah. The um, So I like you having, having had a, a strong Christian background. And uh, one of the things, and I, I still have a, a strong faith background. Um, I view myself as being more spiritual now than, but at the time in, in trying to, get um, peace of mind or, you know, do what's right. I, I had, we had a church that we were going to and, and um, the pastor of that church did marriage counseling and, mm-hmm. and um, you, you said, don't do, don't do couples counseling. Well, I, I, it was quote unquote couples counseling, but a lot of times it was just me there because he wouldn't even show up. Yeah. So, um, but there was, um, my gosh, I, I left numerous times and I'd be down the road in the car and I think this is dumb. I need, you know, I, I, I can work through this, only, you know, we'll get this figured out and stuff. And so one of those last times I just almost out of instinct went to the church and, um, um, his name is pastor Bill was there. And, um, I, you know, I said, can I, can I meet with you and talk real quick? And he says, yeah. And, and um, there was another lady who I knew that was there. So I'm sitting in his office and I'm just like spilling the beans and, you know, tell him like, this is what's going on. And I'm expecting for him to open his Bible and, you know, start sharing scriptures of, you know, what I need to do to strengthen myself to go back. And, um, he listened to me and he gave me the space and a lot of tissue because I was blowing my eyes out. And he looked at me and he very straightforwardly said, you need to divorce him. And... uh, yeah, Cold I was, water right in the face. I, yeah, and I, I just, I just sat there. I, st- I stopped crying. I just sat there and I looked at him and I was like, "What'd you just say?" <laughs> you know, yeah. like, "What? That's not. I, that is not what I was expecting you to say." And he says, "No, he says I've been, I've been watching and hearing your story now for months. You need to r- divorce this man." And, uh, and then he, he was very nicely and sharing um, thoughts and, and sharing some scriptures about how. Um, yes, God does hate a divorce, but yet he doesn't, he doesn't want his kids to live like this. And, you know, he had a bunch of other things that he said. So, um, no, that I was, that was that, that was like all it took for, for me to like that. And that was, that was that we got a, I filed for divorce and well, kudos to him for being <laughs> that way. Cause I, I don't know if you know this part of my background was I was a pastor for a while Oh, yeah. and, uh, I would never do marriage counseling. Uh, yeah. A couple might want to come talk to me. I say, okay, I'll, we'll meet maybe once or twice, but I'm not going to do ongoing marriage counseling with Why you. Why was that? Because I'm going to be up there in the pulpit like two weeks later talking about something, and you're going to think I'm talking about you. Oh, oh, yeah, it's it's hard not to have that. Right, yeah. you're going to read into this. That, well, that's us he's talking about. Uh, so I wouldn't do like one-on-one counseling any long term. Like if you come and say, hey, I got this issue, blah, 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 okay. I might help you find a care counselor or a therapist, but I just couldn't see that. It's kind of like the way I feel about dual agency in real estate. I couldn't see the... So just to be um, neutral and right. not have any kind of manipulation for another right. another party. Yeah. Hmm. That's the way I viewed it. That's commendable. It. That's well, I'd have never done yeah. this, sat in a closed room either back then either, but uh, it was. But we did that. Um, but yeah, I never recommended it. And then when I went through marriage counseling, yeah, it was marriage counseling. I was like, this is stupid. 
<laughs> I'm not doing this again. But individual therapy, I love it. I love it. Uh, even if you're healthy, I think it uh, helps you focus on some things, helps you, you know, if you got something you need to think through and focus on, I think individual therapy, which brings up your coach also. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. kind of coach? I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, that was that was something I've worked really hard for many years to to get the education and the credentials behind my name to be a coach. And uh, so I started um, coaching, I'm a certified executive coach, and um, I wasn't quite sure exactly what, I just knew I almost like, maybe you'll, you'll get this, is um, I had like a calling to do this. I do get that. <laughs> yeah, it was. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, so it's, um, and so I, um, started coaching. It, it was interesting. I started um, doing a lot of um, dating coaching because <laughs> oh. you know I was single and and um, but it's interesting. So so having been a real estate agent and and building a business, dating like coaching. I'm dating, interested to know more about that. The two of them kind of overlap. And I go think it's together. very much it's like, true when you're uh, courting a client. Yeah, you're marketing a product. You're marketing. You're advertising it out there. You're courting. You've got, yeah, you're, you're, you're building like, that relationship. You're building rapport. Right. Yeah, you've got some qualifying questions that you're going for. It's you know there's a, there you can go down the whole sales cycle and and stuff. It, it's very similar and stuff. So that was um, I I had you know client out of Seattle and somebody else out of Texas area and and you know a few other clients for different things. But the the thing that was kind of coming up for me was was in that field. And so I did did a bunch of research and. And um, and I thought, well, this, you know, th- this will be this will be awesome. So I was working on my logo and, um, you know, my uh, the business plan piece of it of what it looked like and, uh, you know, where, when, who, how, you know, all that for it and um, you know, just started putting my vision into place and and showing up. And um, I even had a, a building that I wanted to go into that I would like dream about and and talk about. And um, and so I thought, okay, this is when I earned my, my certification, I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll do my real estate and then I'll build this coaching practice. And, you know, and this is going to be huge. It's going to be like this, you know, multi-million dollar business. I mean, I had like big goals for them. I'm Tony Robbins. Yeah. Kind of, I think I'll travel the world. And, and I still, I still have that thought of, of being able to travel with, with doing that. Um, but you know, as sometimes like you set your vision and you do your work and you do your action steps and then you open yourself up for, for what may come, and I I had this huge blessing. I, I feel like it's I don't know. I feel like it came to me. Um, it's because it wasn't something I went out and looked for, but I had uh, the owners of the franchise for Realty One Group approach me and said, "Hey, we've seen your stuff on Facebook. Um, you're a coach and a real estate agent, and that's what we're looking for in this role." And I had never heard of them. I didn't know who they were. So you know, the company. And so I did a bunch of research and the values of the company and, and what I stood for uh, lined up really, really well. So, so I get a coach now as the, um, I started as a managing broker. I'm now the designated broker for Realty One Group nice. franchise here. So, so I have agents that I coach and, um, I still have a couple private clients on the side that I, that I do. I, um, but I bring in um, a lot of times when I'm coaching a, a client, I'll bring in um, the tools that I use for the dating coaching because it's like it's so similar. <laughs> well, I, so uh, I was, that was my next question. Are you still doing the dating coaching, or is it more the executive? What what what, t- what 
Who's yeah. your client that's outside of real estate? But who's my clients outside of real estate is um, I, yeah, I haven't I haven't done any um, anybody in a dating. I mean, besides friends and and stuff. So um, you know, I have it's it's usually people through some type of change in their life, whether mm-hmm. it be um, shutting like phasing out of a business that they've owned for 28 years that's been successful. And, you know, what does that look like to move into the next step? So it's not like the financial piece of it, but, you know, when, when you're, you know, I have a woman who is going through some health issues and stuff. So you, in different phases of your life, you have a role that, and you, you know, you talked about like I, you had to, um, you know, you were the, the dad and, you know, the husband and, you know, now you're the empty nester dad and, you know, all those single and yeah. Yeah. So you have all those different Mm -hmm. roles that you play. So how do you show up for those and what does the next step mean and what do you want to do with your life? Well, and I explain this to people sometimes and I said this at my dad's funeral because I, I did my dad's funeral. Life is about seasons, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you look at going back into the creation story, and he set into motion these seasons and these rhythms and these patterns in life. <clears throat> and we see that in nature, but it's very true in our life. Um, for example, in talking to my dad, I said, I'm looking out here and I see a lot of you guys who knew my dad as a elementary school kid, or you knew him as a high schooler, or you, you knew a Jack Bridwell that I never got to meet. Yeah. You, yeah. you saw him at different phases of his life. And Oftentimes, when we're going through life, we're just seeing what's right in front of us and our blinders are on, and we don't realize, okay, I'm entering into a new season. Yeah. This is a new season, and seasons come and go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easy going into them, and sometimes it's hard coming out of them. So I like that, that you're being able to sit there and help negotiate people through this. One of the things I was, because I knew that you was a coach, and one of the things I was thinking about drive over here was uh, I would like... I've always thought this. I like a therapy, but I wish that somebody would combine the two. You know, like a, and, and not just a business coach, but a performance coach, coach aspect. Hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm training the psychology and to help you question and find, because the answer is within you. Exactly. I was going to ask you, do you know the difference between the two? So, what's, go ahead. Yeah. Do you know the difference between the two? The two, I, I've never experienced a life coach or a coach or a business coach. I've experienced coaches, and so that's my only basis. So my wrestling coach is that person that's there to give me the tools and encourage me and and mm-hmm. get, show me the path to move forward. The, yes, yeah, very much, yeah. The therapy, mm-hmm. what the therapy did for me was they, they're very rabbinic in the way they talk to you. They ask you a lot of questions. And the questions are self-revealing questions. Because like I said, you're, what you're finding out is, okay, I've got the answer within me. To me, if I combine the two, that person is saying, okay, you're finding this that's within you, and now I'm going to show you how to take this that's already within you and go forward. Right, yeah. So what was your answer? Uh, and Yeah, very very much so. So there, And another, another um, person that gets confused is, is a consultant. So a lot of uh, agents that I meet with, they talk about getting a coach. And really is what they've hired as a consultant who can tell them, um, you know, oh, this is this is the steps you need to do to do that. Make X amount of phone yeah. calls. So one of the one of the examples I've heard, interestingly enough, is is writing a book. So if you hire a consultant 
I want to write a book, the consultant will say, that's awesome. Here's a publisher that you need to talk to with what's the subject of your book. Okay, well, here's, here's how you need to format it. Here's the formula. So, so when do you want this released by? You know, so they'll ask you a few questions, but then they're going to tell you step by step what to do. They're a wedding planner. Kind of a wedding planner, yeah. Right. They'll, they'll take your vision and, and direct you and, and use their resources to get you moving in the right direction. And so, you know, that's, that's cool. A therapist, you know, if I want to write a book, it's like, well, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> well what, what's caused this desire? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what was it in your past? You know, have you ever read a book before? Right. <laughs> when was the time in your life that you, you wrote a book and you felt good about that? And let's talk about, you know, did your parents read a book to you? And how did you feel about it? Right. Did you read a lot growing up? Yeah, yeah. How were books? You know, in your you know, so that's you know, therapy is going to like dig deep into the, those old past things to kind of use some tools and some habits maybe that you've had in the past that to infuse you to move forward. You know, where a coach is, like you said, they ask a lot of questions. Well, what's your book about? What's uh, what time can you commit to writing your book? How many pages can you do per day? When do you want this? So they're going to ask you because you do know all the answers inside. You you already know what you need to do. So that a coach just asks the right questions in order to get you moving forward, and then and then also has some tools like you know the coach will here's some tools that will help you, you know here's an exercise or here's some things that I know of, um, and some coaches will kind of take more of a consultant role. That's that's what I heard you say is like okay well here's then some next steps that maybe you might want to consider with that. Right, but, or here's some tools, some workouts. Yeah, but a true, true coach in the, the essence um, asks the right questions so that you can get to the right answers that are, you already have. Right, and th- th- my yoga teacher and I were talking about this the other day. And I said, if anything I've learned, well, it's not that I've learned it, it's just became more, um, it's, it's been brought back up to the surface, going through this death with my dad. What's been brought back up to the surface with me is no one's coming to save you. <laughs> you are on your own. Yeah. And you have everything within you to get through this. Take your time and grieve. That's okay. Take your time and mourn. That's okay. You have everything within you to get through this. And that's, I even, that's a big realization. It's, on one hand, it kind of sucks. No one's coming to save me. But on the other hand, it's kind of freeing. I don't Mm. need anyone to save me. Um, I've got everything within me to do this. Now, if you're coming from a strict, you know, if you go back to the spiritual side, we always say, greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. I've got everything within me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's He's implanted himself there, so... I've got this strength. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about that. So I'm, part of what I want to do with the fo- podcast is not, I hate to use the word sermons, but it's basically what it is. Just do smaller ones like that every now and again. And I'll talk about things like that. You know, hey, you can do this, actually. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, the whole you're enough. Right. You are enough like inside. Um, and that's what I think we all want want to get to it's like you know you you need somebody to save you because you're thinking you don't have enough in you to do it yourself or you don't have the answers or you don't have the direction you're going to make a mistake you know it's it's kind of it's very much fear-based it is very much fear-based and one of the things that i wrote to my kids i started writing my kids handwritten 
letters. Oh, that, oh, they will tr- treasure those someday. I think they throw them away. I don't know. <laughs> You'd I, be surprised. <laughs> I do scan each of the letters I write. So if I ever wrote you like a card or a handwritten letter, I scan it and throw it into my Evernote. Oh. So I do have a copy. Well, not every one, but I do have a copy of most of the letters that I wrote my kids. But one of the things I wrote my kids in there is learn the art of being alone. Because mm. at some point in your life, probably multiple points, you're going to be alone. And that could be because your spouse is on a trip. That could be because you're on a trip. It could be because you got divorced. It could be because somebody got hit by a bus. It could be because you're at a concert with a person you love and your mind's a million miles away. You're alone. You got to learn the art of learning how to be alone. It's really precious time. There, there is um, a movie and I cannot remember the name of this movie. It was some dumb rom-com that I watched one late one night, and it was it was kind of cute and stuff. But the last little bit of the movie was this girl, and um, she ended up, you know, not getting the guy. She was al- alone. Right. And she was. It showed her um, one of her dreams was she wanted to go hiking. So somebody's probably gonna like hear this and know what movie it was, but she wanted to go hiking. She ends up on out doing the hike like in another country or something, and it was like, the Grand Canyon. She wanted to hike the Grand Canyon okay. and see the sun. That's what that's not another country. Yeah, that's not that's not here. Like <laughs> yes, it is here. <laughs> I've been on it. So um, anyway, so this shows her on the Grand Canyon, and she said that she realized that uh, being being alone is a really precious time because. We often don't get that. We and don't. And so she really came to grips with that. And, and you know, I, I watched this movie and, you know, it's like a year and a half, uh, you know, being single and, and being alone and, you know, watching this movie alone. And it just, I was like, oh, my gosh, that is the most, I don't know, it just really stuck with me that this is. So I tell, I tell people that now, too, is how can you capture this time and, and really see it for the beauty that it is that don't be afraid of being alone because it's it's precious time it's precious time and for me uh, you know being bitch slapped into being alone <laughs> uh, you're having to well okay for me I'm having to refine my identity and men find their identity very much in what they do mm-hmm. well now I'm not what I did I'm having to find that. I was also, um, and I've, I've been public about this, I was drinking way too much because I'm alone. I'm bored. My mind's going a 1,000 miles an hour. I'm going through all this grief. I need to numb this pain. And um, what I found out was you're not numbing that pain. You're feeding it mm-hmm. with, your, uh, with, with the alcohol or with whatever you're choosing to numb your pain with. You're really feeding it. took a long time to figure that out. And then you start figuring that out, and you start figuring, okay, moving to Tennessee, I was telling a guy today, has been very monastic for me, because I'm not around the people I've been around for 17, 18 years. I'm around people I hadn't seen in 20 years or so. Uh, I live out on the farm. We have satellite internet, which isn't the greatest. Uh, You know, a bunch of cows. And so you're out there, and you learn to be alone. Mm. And I don't have all the friends I had. And um, and it was a thought I'd already been going through for two or three years prior to moving down there, but was able to implement it a little bit better. 
uh, there was a YouTube video shortly after I started getting divorced. It's uh, uh, something about learning to be alone. It's a poem. It's a beautiful poem, and it's the lady performs it, and it's just beautiful. And she talks about learning to go eat by yourself. Mm-hmm. See, and I got friends of mine who will order food to go from the restaurant they like because they don't want to eat by themselves. I'm thinking about it and look over at me and think, oh, it's so sad. They're looking at their phone. They're not right. looking at yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And there's something freeing about going into a restaurant. I'll take a table for one. And I've got this private service. Yeah, yeah. It's the stories we create around things. We believe our own lies. Yeah, yeah. And no, and nobody else cares. Nobody else is sitting whispering about you. The, um, have you ever heard the song uh, Negroni Eyes? I may. I'm horrible at... Uh, go ahead and sing Marianne, it. Maybe, well, yeah, I'm not going to... You do not want me singing. <laughs> you do not want me singing. But there's Felt a line. We'll go do karaoke line. and you can sing it. Uh, there's a line. It's a... It's a. Um, the artist, she sings... Um, it's called Negroni Eyes. And there's a line in there that says, um, I tr- tried to drown my sorrows, but the damn things learned how to swim. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly that. Yeah. I think that was actually the line I was looking for when I said that uh, you're, you're trying to numb it or quiet or whatever I said about numbing my pain, and they uh, you're, you end up just feeding it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of I truth do. to that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's we we create our own stories around things and and that's that's part of the thing with you know coaching is is getting those stories out or getting um you know the gremlins the the the, the things that we tell ourselves you know that little voice in our ear you know everybody's going to be looking at you everybody's going to think you're like they know that you're just a loser eating by yourself or whatever it is that it's telling us and if we can just quiet those voices and and do what we're most afraid of so how do you quiet them how do I mean, there's <laughs> got to be something you're doing. I mean, you've... you've I, how, how do I quiet You've him? come back from a very devastating thing in life. Uh, you're a designated broker, a coach. So you've obviously learned how to quiet them, or you're just really, really highly disciplined person that just ignores them. Uh, it's probably a little bit of, of both. Um, I, I, this, how do I quiet them? Um, I just know, I, you know, I mean to say, like, know what I want, but I, I know how I want to be. And that, that to get past w- where I've been, I have to do something different. And so it's um, like I'll I'll take a deep breath and kind of meditate down, you know. And just when I when I hear <laughs> when I hear I talk with my hands, so I hit. Them. Oh, feel free. Um, <laughs> when I hear um, like the voices come up, like oh they're not gonna like you, they're gonna think you're so dumb. Oh you're so boring. Like that's usually what I tell myself. Mm-hmm. That's like you. It's it's like I'll, I'll just say. No, you know, just you need to be quiet now. Um, usually those, th- those words, those that voice that you hear, th- it's trying to protect you from something. It's trying to protect you from being hurt, and um, you know, so I just you know like try to thank it, quiet it down. It's going to be fine, and just try to breathe and be myself in the moment, and um, because there's, like, a, it's showing, it's presenting itself for something. Um, there is. I had a huge lesson of this. I, um, one of the things, like, toward the, the past couple of years of my marriage, all my friends di- kind of disappeared a little bit. Oh, they absolutely disappear. Yeah, I mean, because they see it. They know something's going on, and so they're, it's like self-protecting and, you know, stuff. And then as soon as, as 
um, everything comes up. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, it's about time. Like we were trying to figure out like, you know what to do. And you know, you don't know what happens behind closed doors or whatever, but, but anyway, so I had some great friends that showed up after that and just, you know, just love and fun times and adventures and, you know, trying to get me out of that funk. So fortunately that, that helps you, you know, like, gosh, you know, if your friends are saying this, then, you know, you know, you just got to force yourself through a situation but um, I, I got the opportunity to go to Florida to visit friends, and um, and it was really cool. We were out on this boat out of this, um, I think it's called the Lighthouse. It's it's this, um, you boat out to it, and it's a national park, and there's a, um, a reef underneath. Uh-huh. And, um, and so there's no land whatsoever around, and I see people in the water, and they're telling me to jump off this perfectly safe boat into the ocean with... And I know I have a life vest on, but I was, I'd never done that before. And I was, I was so scared. I had, I was in tears, li- literally in tears, just, f- you know, fear. And right, right. And, um, um, you know, and the voice is screaming at me, you know, you're going to make a fool of yourself. You don't know how to swim that well. And, you know, what if there's, you know, all these things. I've got kids. There's this sharks. Is a, yeah, this is the stupidest thing. And I was like white knuckling the edge of the boat. And, and they were like, no, no, it's really pretty. And I was like, yeah, I can see it's pretty. I can see I, that. I can see it looks great. And you're like, get it. I've seen it on postcards. And so, so then there was this moment where, where like the pain I was feeling in that moment, um, it was like not jumping in and being embarrassed to not, you know, to be that person that I wasn't jumping in was going to be greater than the pain of being there. So I was just like deep breath and, and jumped and coughing and spitting salt water and, you know, cause I'm not used to this. <laughs> and, um, so then, you know, after I was like, okay, I'm alive, I'm alive. Yeah. Okay. Whew, I'm here. I'm here. And they said, okay, now look down, you know, cause you have your, um, mask, mask on, on yeah. right? Yeah. They're like, look down, look down, look down. It's like, I know I see it's pretty look down. So I put my face in the water and oh my gosh, it was so amazing. Like right. I would have missed this amazing experience had I just stayed on the boat where I felt completely safe. Is this in the book? Um, it is. It, it is. It should be. Yeah. So I sometimes now, um, if I, cause I have those moments. I mean, I was asked to be a managing broker. I didn't have a managing broker license at the time. It's like, you want me to do, this is not on my path mm-hmm. for me. Um, I've had to get up and, and talk in front of groups of people. That's scary. It's good for you. You know how to do it. It's scary stuff. Um, you know, or, or just step into some situations where it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do this. But through the grace of God and whatever else, there's, there's beauty on the other side. And so I, I will remind myself of that story of how I almost missed out on one of the most beautiful things I've seen by staying on the boat. Well, uh, what was it? My brother told me to read that book the other day, uh, Get Out of the Boat. Yeah, there's something, yeah. Uh, it's on top of my head. I could look it up, but you know the book I'm talking about. It's, it's, it was, it's basically based on Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else was just talking about this recently. Yeah, um, but, and I have read it. It might be a good book to go back and read again, but it's been a while. But it's one of those religious, spiritual, uh, self-help, motivational type books. Um, so it's not that bad. Uh, but yeah, it's the same principle that you're talking about here. Because I used to tell people there's two types of fear. There's a fear that, that paralyzes and debilitates you. Mm-hmm. 
and there's a fear that gets you out of the way of the bear running at you. Right. <laughs> or that gets you out of the road because yeah, of your car right. barreling down the street. Fear in itself isn't bad. Fear that makes you move and take action. The fear of, uh, in your case, the fear of being the one that didn't get out of the boat. Yeah, that would have been really embarrassing. <laughs> that caused you to take action over the fear that says, there might be a shark in there. Yeah, I could drown. I, I could drown. Yeah, all these things. So there was, um, I, uh, I read a lot. Uh-huh. And um, it's, I had discovered Martha Beck's books a few years ago. So she was a contributor for uh, Oprah and O Magazine, and she's she's got some books, um, Finding Your Own North Star and some other ones. And so um, um, in, I think it was the North Star book, she talks about fear. Like if you're afraid, because, I mean, things we do, are there is fear. Like, oh, you know, what are people going to think? And, you know, I don't know. You know, what if I make a mistake? It could be a costly mistake. You know, there's fear, and that's valid. But if it's fear and then the decision feels expansive, like mm. it's going to add to your life, then that's a, like, get over the fear and go do it. But if it's fearful and it's going to be dangerous or, you know, that um, it, it, something's going to harm you or, it, you know, it feels like it's closed up, and then, then that's not a good decision. You should move the other way from it. But either way, move. Move. Don't be yeah. paralyzed. Yeah. And that that's was the example that I gave a lot of people too. I mean, you know, in the Marine Corps, we're running toward the shots. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the job. You run toward the shots. One of the things you find out is if you if you panic and you just stay put, you will get killed. You know, because they will find where you are and they will zero in. But if you keep moving, the chances to live are great, are much greater because you're moving. You're, yeah, you're yeah. putting down fire, you're moving. You're putting down fire, you're moving. But if you just lay there, it's over. And you yeah. got to have that. Well, And you also got to have enough sense to say, okay, we're getting a little overwhelmed here. Let's go this way. Uh, but either way, you're moving. And you're so, moving. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, I like what you said because not moving is a choice. It is a choice. It is a choice. And I fear... Uh, it's a crazy thing, and like I said, I, it's not bad. There are good fears. You know, I want my kid. When I was raising kids, I want them to have certain fears. Um, I also want them to not, not be afraid to take those expansive choices. Yeah, yeah. You know, to to go out there and do that. My daughter, when she started roller derby, I didn't <laughs> raise her up at a skating <laughs> rink, right? Um, and she was wanting to get back into sports. She'd been a fast pitch softball girl. Mm. I think we'll go play softball. And I said, well, there's no fast-pitch softball out there for women in your age that I know of that's not really, really expensive or whatever. And I said, why don't you just go to roller derby practice with me? Because at the time, I was announcing for the team here. And she's like, okay, I'll go. So we go to practice, and she's sitting there, and she meets a couple of the girls, and she's watching them practice. She said, you can seriously get me a, a tryout for the team? Well, yeah, I can, uh, but ironically enough, they have orientation coming up, so we'll get you in that, and I called a couple of girls over. They put together a set of gear that they, you know, hey, yeah, I know you can borrow my knee pads. You can borrow this. You can borrow that. So she's all decked out, and she gets it. Can't skate. Doesn't know how to stop. <laughs> uh, she goes to orientation. One of the first things they do is they teach you how to fall and start teaching you how to stop. She's addicted, and she was scared because... I can't skate. I don't know these girls. I'm, and all this other oh, stuff. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. 
within six months she's jumping chairs. You know. <laughs> so, but I want them to have that no fear in that aspect. Right. But yeah. I also want them to have a healthy fear of, you know, the stove's hot. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's there's things yeah, there's consequences. Right. There's consequences yeah. for bad decisions. Um, I can't protect you from everything. So Yeah, yeah. There it was that um there's nothing you have to do, there's nothing you ever have to say. But just remember this, uh fire is hot and when it rains things get wet. Right. That's the way it goes. <laughs> My son one day we were cooking, I'm cooking. It was one of the stoves that had the coil. Oh yeah, those things. <laughs> and uh I'm cooking on it. I pull the pot off. I turn it off. It goes from red to black. And he's standing beside me. He goes, that, that's still hot. <coughs> Is that still hot? So we'll touch it and find out. No, you're setting me up for something. So <laughs> <laughs> I fix my food. And I go wherever it was. I, where, uh, out on the patio, whatever it was I was going to eat that night. And I go out and I sit down. I'm starting to eat my food. And I was in here. This, Ow! <laughs> <laughs> he took off running. <laughs> Listen now, come back. Let me show you how to find out if it's hot. Put the back of your hand and go slow, dummy. Don't just reach down and touch it. <laughs> you know, why are you doing that before? You were that dad. I'm that dad. <laughs> but you will, he will never forget that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> he will never forget that lesson. I'm that dad. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're a fun dad, though. Well, like I have fun. And, well, it's, yeah. it's quad skates, not rollerblades. Oh. Have you ever been? Yeah, I haven't. But interestingly enough... Um, one of the the ladies that was in the coaching program. So there was there was people from all kinds of corporations. There was an executive from Zillow that was in our our you know this is like a year and year training course for coaching. And um, there was a gal who she was she was I thought she was, she looked a lot younger than she was. She was like mid to late thirties um, I think. And she was from like Ohio or something. Anyway, and she was a librarian. Like, okay. You know, like her at their masters and whatnot. And she did rollerblading. Or oh. the, I mean, um, roller derby. Roller derby. Yeah, she did roller derby. In Vancouver the, or Portland? She, um, for where she lives, she did oh, it there. Okay. And she, she's come out and practiced with our team in Portland a few times. And that's and where stuff. I started. So, I yeah. started the team in Portland, and uh, then took some time off. And then after the divorce, I found out this team in Vancouver was starting up. And so I went in there and talked to them and got that gig. And so I announced their first two seasons. Oh, wow. You've done some interesting things. It's been yeah. fun. It's been fun. You ought to go. They have about this Saturday. Matter of fact, the reason I'm staying this long, I flew up Friday to go uh, to Tacoma. My cousin got married, so I went out and officiated that wedding. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided... I would stay this week through the weekend because my daughter, they, Storm City, has a roller derby bout, and I've never got to watch my daughter skate. Oh, so you're going to go see. So I'm staying yeah. for that, which it's also my 30-year class reunion. Oh, so it's a big... <laughs> well, but my 30-year class reunion's in Tennessee. Oh. So I'm so missing it. So are you it. missing it to be here? You're Oh, I see. I'm missing it to be here, which, you know, I caught a little flack, but I'm like, hey... I've never been to a class reunion, and of course, that was their point. Well, you've never been to one. Now you live here, and you're not going to one. And yeah, so you have to wait another five years. Or whatever, right? Five <laughs> or ten, whatever they decide to do. And well, so do you see many of them? You probably can like see everything that's going on on Facebook. Yeah, some of them I don't recognize. 
Yeah. <laughs> have you had that problem? I have. I have to say that um, I, a lot of them have done pretty good, but there, yeah, there are a couple that, like, I don't remember you, but I see their picture from high school. It's like, oh, oh that's you. Okay. <laughs> there's some, I think. I'm glad I kissed you then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Dodge that bullet. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, well that goes that goes both ways. It probably for, does yes. <laughs> for me as well, I'm sure. Uh they yeah. I've been uh there was this one girl. Uh, we grew up when I say we grew up together in the same neighborhood, I mean from kindergarten till after high school, we all lived in the same neighborhood. We wasn't I wasn't the, one of those families where you moved house to house. No. The home my mom and dad bought in nineteen seventy five, they didn't sell until maybe the 2000s nice yeah. so i grew up in this house well she grew up around the corner we all played together she, I, she was probably in the first game i played spin the bottle she was there <laughs> i mean this was and for you guys that don't know what spin the bottle is message me i'll tell you uh, so we i've known her forever i'm at this department store talking to a guy that i knew uh, from high school as well and she comes hey scott and i'm hey and i just start talking to her uh, no clue who she is. No clue. And finally she walks off, and I looked over at my buddy Steve. And I said, who was that? And he told me. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed because I grew up with her. Right, yeah. But people change so much sometimes. It's right. Well, then she yeah. messages me on Facebook. I get my, my phone goes, bing. I look at it, and it's her. She said, you had no clue who I was, did you? <laughs> and I said, and you, you know, how do you answer that question? How did you answer? Honestly, no. I'm embarrassed. You have me in a very awkward position right now. No, I did not recognize you, and I am so sorry. Well, that was good. So, how did she respond? Oh, she said that's okay. I've and then you know I've changed a lot, blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I. You know, my memory or you just. Right. I just. And oh, and you're. When I started doing that uh, 365 things to do around Athens, there's a video um, that I did there in, in McMinn County area. And so I got people who know me from that. And, oh, and yeah. So people come up and they're like, hi, Scott. And, you, and so you think it's just somebody from your podcast or the videos or whatever that you do. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right. If I don't immediately recognize you, I'm just like, and it's yeah. not that I'm this huge celebrity and i'm not it's just people who watch these videos and then i started doing sounds of summer which is a summer concert series oh fun so yeah. i host that so you yeah. get all these people that know so me you have a lot of people that know you but you don't know them and I haven't they got come up and and you're friendly and outgoing gregarious you know it means that but uh, so they feel like they know you right and then they come and talk to me and then the woman i was dating she was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> what it was, but the flip side is everybody in town. She knows she's one of those people who just knew everybody. She was one of the socialites. She knew everybody, and and they she all knew her. She probably prided herself on that until. And then we're like, going out, and all of a sudden, I'm the one getting attention, and I'm just like, what? And so, yeah. But we are still great friends. Uh, her and I still usually have dinner about once or twice a week, and uh, still hang out. So once or twice a week. Yeah, usually. That's, yeah, so you're like still dating. But not. <laughs> do you just do you talk about who you're dating with one another and no 
No. No, I don't. No. No. I, she did call me one night. She was at a bar and she needed a ride home and I was just getting off work. <clears throat> she didn't call me. She texted me. She says, what are you doing? And I drove by and saw her car there. And I thought, ah, I'm just going, I'm, I'm, it's late. I'm going home. And she, I started getting these slurred texts from her. What are you doing? I'm, well, I was about to go home. She says, well, I'm at the VAR, V-A-R, blah, blah, blah. I'm, Okay. Oh, I was like, what is a slurred text? But it's when they <laughs> typos in it. <laughs> you know what a slurred text is. Like, you've never sent a slurred text. <laughs> Me? <laughs> okay, like you've never gotten slurred texts. <laughs> And so I turn around and I come back to the bar and um, she's in there and our friend Lori looks at me and she's I'm so glad you're here because I don't want to take her home. <laughs> okay. So uh, we hung out. Come to find out she'd had a date that night and he'd already left and so I'm picking her up after her date. Um, <laughs> so there probably wasn't a second date with that guy. <laughs> there wasn't a second date with that guy and so and I was the uh, hey come get me from this date. Yeah. Um, which one of the first times we went out, she had this guy that she'd been, she broke up with, but he just kept on and on and on, and he was in town, and she really, and so she said, I tell you what, I'm supposed to meet him down here at this time. Will you come in? And I think her and I have been on a couple of dates, and uh, I, I said, yeah. So I walk in, I have my journal with me, I walk in, I walk up and see her, oh, hey, we act all surprised, I just lean over and give her a kiss on the lips, not a big passionate but you know just a friendly kiss on the lips and say how you doing oh i introduced myself to him and i said i'm surprised to see you here i said i just came in get a drink and i'm gonna write my journal for a little bit that's what i did that date was over too (laughs) (laughs) but that's a good test probably to have um you know dating and and, you know i've I've friends that are dating you know whatnot but um to have have like the wing person or somebody to come in and check out the other person and see how they're going to react and yeah well she wanted that date to be over and she that was part of the plan so yeah that's good me come in and kiss her and be friendly and then disappear and see what happens so now here's the ironic thing you said something about dating coach she basically asked me out because i have this aversion to asking women out why like so that's a whole, like, what's your aversion to ha- asking women out? I, I don't know. Uh, like, I'll, I'll get to talking to somebody, and I'll be like, okay, I think this might be somebody I'd like to go out with. And then, I think, okay, I'm going to ask her out. Well, it's the whole rejection. You don't want to get rejected. I mean, I just, that's it. It's the whole rejection thing. Um, but I also have an aversion to be to I try to be overly cautious to not come across as flirtatious or being that guy, you know, the guy that's just being overly complimentary, overly flirtatious, overly. So whatever. you're you're out and about quite a bit. You do all these different events, and your people know you. You don't know them, and uh, and and you probably get to meet a lot of a lot of women. Right. So what happens when you do see somebody that you're interested in? How, what steps do you take? Uh, well, like with her, I just, we just chatted when I saw her out in town. I didn't ask her for her phone number first. I didn't do that. Uh, I think she actually requested me on Facebook first because we had that conversation the other day because our Facebook friendversary, whatever it was, came up. She said, I'd looked for you for two or three weeks 
but I, I was always misspelling your name. And finally, I popped up in somebody that she knew. That's mm. how she found me. But even then, I didn't want to friend her first because I thought she might think, oh, God, he's hitting on me. You know. uh, uh, it's the stories we tell yeah, ourselves. You, it's the stories you tell. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then finally, she was. we were texting one night. And she said, look, maybe you just want us to be friends. And blah, blah, blah. And I, I literally remember texting back. Saying, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. I'm okay and more than happy to be more than just friends. I'd love to go out with you. I just didn't think that's what you wanted, and so I didn't want to. Yeah, so it's interesting because you don't want to be friend zone. That's 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 a whole different zone. It's hard to get out of the friend zone. I I, I have. Oh, there's no coming back. There's no coming back. It's um I I have friends who are strictly in that friend zones who would have you know they they've asked you to date and stuff and it's like if it doesn't work out I I've lost a friend and so I'm not willing to give you up as a friend so you're in the friend zone <laughs> right and um and stuff but it's confusing out there so it's you know right it's it's I don't know there's all these new rules and all these things and the, you, you know what do you say what do you not say you know does the guy ask the girl out does the girl ask the guy out does um and I it seems to me that um you know and, and there's a lot of guys who just are bold and they 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 will pursue pretty strongly and you know it's um they don't take no for an answer kind of thing but um and uh, you probably don't want to be that guy and you, I and don't want to be that guy and you'll never be that guy you're right. not that guy so don't worry about it like let that go you're not that guy but it is it is confusing well, I know I'm not that guy rules. but I'm afraid she see she'll She's, see me yeah. as that guy don't be afraid for her all right don't don't yeah don't oh, put your yeah. fear why, on her why why give that to her yeah yeah i would just I would just be you. If well, you were asking a friend for a coffee, how would you go about asking for? Hey, you want me to get you a coffee? You know. Oh, I bet we'd probably be at the coffee shop. Can yeah. I get you a coffee? Well, that's another thing I don't do. So, like, if I'm at a bar and I see an attractive woman, maybe she starts talking to me because I'm not probably not going to initiate the conversation. Um, I don't offer to buy them a drink. Um, I just don't. No, you know. She's got a drink. I, I actually had a woman come up to me in a bar one time. Say, hey, you want to buy me a drink? Nope. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that woman. Yeah, so I'm curious. Why don't you offer to buy them a drink? I feel like I'm like paying for your time or something. If I won't pay yeah. for your time, there's other things I can pay for besides with a drink. Yeah. Uh, I just don't. And I feel like some women come in and they're manipulative that way. They're trying to come in and get guys to buy them drinks. Yeah, and I don't be I don't want to play that game. Well, I will tell you that having having somebody offer buy a drink that that doesn't mean that they get a date or they get anything. Um, it, it's uh, no, it, but it, it means I've lost be, eight to fifteen dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be a prerequisite, right? It's like that's it's kind of I, I know it's it's kind of cliche ish. Right. So I I wouldn't if I was you I wouldn't worry about that because you know what you, like somebody who's going to be a, a true date option for you, a, a partner, you know, you know, whatever that means, but, um, it, it's going to be somebody who just wants a conversation. Right. Well, you know, who's going to be fun. You can share stories and you're going to get that energy back and forth. It doesn't, it, it drinks just a drink. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It does get confusing. Like when you are on a date, like who pays for what? Sometimes that's, that's, um, you know, you know, strong, independent woman. Like, do I pay for myself? Do I, do I expect him to pay? Do I, Okay, so my rules on that, <laughs> and I have rules. 
I've been developing these rules. Maybe I need to write my book. Maybe you should. Um, <laughs> there was a woman here in the Northwest that I went out with, strong, independent. I'm absolutely certain you know her. Um, she basically had to ask me out. And so we go and I go to pay. She said, no, no, no. I make plenty of money. I ask you out. I'm paying. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you because I don't want to be insultive. I'm not going to argue with you. I asked her out the next time I paid, you know, and so it was just kind of like whoever, whoever asked whoever out and whoever got the check first. And that's how that rule was. Same with a woman in Knoxville. It was the same way, but I will generally try to lead with pain. If she's insisted, then I'm not gonna. Yeah. It's the, the nice gesture that you, you mm-hmm. offered to pay is, um, you know, I, I dated a gentleman one time. He, he never whipped out his credit card. He never even reached for the check. He did I think he made it maybe three dates because it's like I mean, at even some though, point, dude. Yeah, it's like even though <clears> I had you know the means and the the money to pay at that at that point, it's it's like if you're gonna do that here, how like how are you gonna do it if we're on a vacation or if we even get more serious and we're in an actual relationship and you know I'm not gonna pay for you all the time. <laughs> so I would say you, so, you you dated a guy, not a gentleman. Yeah. Let's yeah. go back and rephrase that statement. Yeah. A dude. <laughs> so first dates, I got rules on first yeah. dates. Cause okay, what are your rules on first dates? First dates, you yeah. don't go to dinner where you sit down at a table across from each other. Right, yeah. yeah. Do not do that. And I know it's a simple thing. Everybody's like, oh, let's go do that. Unless you know her. I mean, if we've got to know each other, we've known each other for a while, then going down and sitting down at a table where we are in this awkward, we both know we're on a date, and what are we going to talk about? It gets yeah, weird. It's it's uh, yeah, it's like a forced play or something like that. It's right. And, and you're not seeing the real person, I don't think in well, that situation. Well, the first and last time this happened to me, I kinda had this rule, but I just for some reason or other didn't enforce it on this one date. She sits down and starts talking, and I know about a horrible father and stepfather and baby daddy issues and just all this And you're stuck at dinner. I'm stuck at dinner, and I'm just like, I'm glad we drove and met here, one. And then the check came. I, I got the check because I'm in a hurry. <laughs> so even if I wanted her to pay, I I'm willing to. I will pay now and keep the change. <laughs> I just right? got to go. <laughs> so we do that. You know, and typically after dinner, okay, let's go get a drink and continue the date. Yeah. And and her and I had met a couple other times on not, not a formal date, but just kind of impromptu and just met at the barn. We'd we'd had a good time. Well, actually, we'd known each other for a long time. And then, you know, all of a sudden, oh, hey, maybe we should hang out. So a couple of days later, she comes up to me and uh, she said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Because we're at the bar, we always drank that. And I said, sure. And so we get this private table and she said, what happened the other night? Did I scare you off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. And you told I, her. I told her. <laughs> yeah, we'd had a really yeah. good relationship prior to that, friendship prior to that. So I told her, I said, this is what you don't talk about on a first date. Yeah, yeah. And these are the things that we don't, That's and that's for me. You may find another guy that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like a job interview. You don't go into a job interview and start talking about all your, your junk. Like, right. you know, well, I spilled coffee all over the computer and I ruined it. You know, you don't talk about that stuff. You you go in and you put in kind of your, you want to be who you are, but you want to be the best version of yourself during that light and funny and, you know, some jokes, some interesting quirks from your life. But 
you don't talk about your therapy sessions and no <laughs> and, and and i was talking to another girl about this she said well you gotta understand maybe she felt like she knew you well enough to go ahead and do that maybe i will give her that it freaked me out i didn't want to be a part of it so the other rule is so you don't do that so you um you go places so then what do you do if, if i don't go to dinner well, I go places where things are interactive, things you can do. It could be a farmer's market yeah, in yeah. the evening who are walking through a crowd. There's something that's, that's causing conversation instead of forcing conversation. It may be, hey, we're looking at these soaps or looking over at this artwork or doing things like that. Plus, if you want to ditch out, you can just kind of ditch out in the crowd and be gone if it's bad. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, I lost you. <laughs> Uh, you can eat the street food, you know, so you're not yeah. worried about that awkward. And the other thing that's beautiful about this is it it allows touch in a non-awkward way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we're going through the crowd and I don't want to lose you, it you feel nothing if I reach and, and grab your hand or oh, just hit that mic, grab your hand or put mm-hmm. your hand on my arm and we walk through the crowd. You feel nothing awkward if I guide you or, or vice versa. Right. Yeah. That's out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Right? That is out of the way. Um, and then if I do go someplace to eat, I sit down at a counter. Again, it allows that awkward, hey, I'm going to reach over and get the salt. There's, there's all, all so that stuff So what are you doing in. with that awkward? Are you, are you like testing chemistry and stuff during that? Or I'm removing the awkwardness. So, I mean, it, it'd be one thing if uh, we're walking into the restaurant on a first date and I reached, reached and grabbed your hand. Or we're driving there and I reach over and hold your hand. Um, that's going to be like, okay, what was that about? Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I li- so I had never thought about it. That. So I'm with you. I I, um, I never liked going out to meal on a first date. I had, had this one guy, he um, he had been married for like 18 years, and um, he was, I can't remember what, I think he was like Mormon or something, you know, so very, very religious. And I, you know, and I get that, and that's that's cool. I was going to be his first date. <laughs> and I That's told him, and I told him, I, he asked me. Oh, he me, told you that? Yeah, he, yeah, he's like, I just started dating, and, you know, would you want to go out? And I told him, no, no, I'm, I don't want to be your first date. I, you know, like, you go date a bunch of other people, and then, you know, and then we'll talk. And he's like, what? You know, and so, anyway, after a few months, I was like, yeah, okay, you know, we can go, we can go do something. And he wanted to take me to the melting pot. And, um, yeah, right? I know. And he said, he's more <laughs> generous than I am. <laughs> I am not gonna go to the melting pot with you. And he's like, oh, no. He goes, I asked all my friends at work. He owned this company. I asked all my friends. They said this is a great. This is like a romantic first date. And this is like, yeah, exactly. That's why we are not going to the melting pot. <laughs> I, how about I pick? Yeah, and there's so a hot dog stand downtown. <laughs> That's what I told him. I said, there's some really good, I know um, there's a, a, a food cart downtown. They have um, a great Vietnamese salad. Oh, I love that it. I like, yeah, a, um, green papaya salad. I said, we can go there. There's this festival going on. We can go there. And he's like, he's like, you're going to give up, you know, a, a sit-down dinner to go eat out of a food cart? And I said, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I advise that all day, every day, uh, because... I get to see a different side of you. I would even, even for a first date, I would invite somebody on a first date to come to a barbecue with me. With your friends and? Yeah, come on over. That way I want to see how you interact with my friends, with my family. And, and again, there's an interaction going on. Now that might be too much for her. 
put, you know, hey, I got a barbecue yeah. coming on. You want to come over? Yeah, because you're not, like, there's no um, intimate personal conversation, really, and you feel like you're being judged. Everybody's looking at you. Oh, is she the one? Is <laughs> she, what is she? That might be too much for her, but I'd be willing to do that or a music festival or something like that. But to do those crazy romantic things right off the bat, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we were fortunate. You you said you live in Tennessee now? I do, yeah. Yeah, is it Athens, Tennessee? It is. Okay. When you said Athens before, I was thinking Greece. (laughs) No, but I've been there. It is pretty. I just stayed in the airport. They wouldn't let us off the airplane. Oh, shoot, you missed. I did. Yeah. But, but, you know, we're fortunate here in in Portland, Vancouver area, because we do have that Saturday market, and there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of festivals that come up. You know, the beer and wine festival or art festivals and different things and and yeah i'm i'm with you just get out and go do something don't don't sit at a restaurant or um i i I didn't mind um sitting and maybe having like a cocktail or a cup of coffee and you know going for a little walk or something and and just as long as you you, i don't know not like trapped in that long forced moment of sharing a meal um what other rules do you have for first date um Let's see. There's that. So I don't eat like that. I'm trying to think through them. Those are probably the first two rules I have for first dates. Did you do any dating sites? Oh, I was going to talk to you about that. I am on dating sites. I don't work them really heavy. Um, Do you have a picture of you with a fish? I do not. Oh, good. (laughs) I do have a picture of me in a fur coat. Oh, that probably gets just a fur coat or... No, it's a fur coat and a sequin blazer underneath it. Oh. And then a cowboy hat and his big fat glasses. Styling. I think I've seen that picture. You've seen that picture. picture. Yeah, it's on your... It's on one of my dating sites. Yeah. I do have a picture of a a bunch of balls. It says my balls. Uh, So it's got footballs, baseballs, soccer balls. And then I have a picture of like a bunch of pecans. It says, oh, here's my nuts. And <laughs> so I've got some stuff like that. So like weed out there. Like if they don't have a sense of humor. Yeah, go away. Yeah. Go yeah. Away. Right. And um, so I, I've got stuff like that on there. But I don't, I don't fill out the profile extensively. I don't do a lot with it. I did have a date when I lived here one night, which was utter hell. Um, she had invited me over. Okay, I'm going to come over. And then my son's car breaks down, so I have to go help my son. So I'm messaging with her, okay, I got to get my son, blah, 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 and I'm doing this and doing that, and I'm running late, and she's getting upset, and I finally get cleaned up. Just, you know, just forget it. And I said, look, I'm literally heading out the door. I'm 20 minutes away. Okay. I get to her house, thinking maybe we'd pick her up, go do something. She's sitting on her front porch in a saggy old T-shirt and, like, fleece pajama pants. <laughs> Welcome to Portland. <laughs> This is in Washougal. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and I'm like... That is just going to air nothing wrong with Portland or Washougal. But, but, but she was... This is how you meet me? Oh. Right? And so I'm like... And she's, and it's not one of those neighborhoods where you can pull up and act like you're not there to see them. Right, yeah. She knows who you are and why you're there. And Right. So I get out and she's like, come on in. So I go in. The house is an utter wreck. So that is a rule. So if, if if I go visit you and you're not in the middle of a remodel and your house is an utter wreck? 
this, it's like this relationship's it, not going much farther. Yeah. Um, then yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> right because that tells me a whole lot more that's going on. Um, so we get there and then she says, "You want a drink?" I'm like, "Well, I'll take a drink." She goes, "Do you have a clean cup?" <laughs> You're gonna love this, Ramona. <laughs> she comes out. She goes. I don't use a glass. I just drink out of the bottle. And hands me the bottle. She takes a swig and hands me the bottle. You're like, kidding. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. It was, it was. Yeah, maybe if you're was, at a concert and you're, the flask is. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, she's got, she's, she goes from uh, uh, happy laughing, blah, 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 just, I could not get out of there fast enough. Yeah, and then yeah, you're trying to find this gracious reality. way to leave or this way that then you think, well, she's a freaking psycho. Just leave. Is that your craziest date you've had? Uh, now, you got to remember, when I started dating, we didn't have internet, so probably. That, that uh, Okay, that's your... Uh, and that was an online... You met her online? Well, that's not the craziest, but... Oh, oh when you're... Um, I guess it depends on what you call crazy. I mean, like crazy as far as personality, crazy as far as locker room. I don't want to share on a podcast. Oh, <laughs> well, let's not go there. Right. But just your goofiest, I can't believe that just happened. What, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. That might be one of the, yeah. one of the weirdest ones. Yeah. Um, I have a son who's uh, dating, and he's on this um, dating app. And so he was um, me and uh, one of my girlfriends, and we're going through his app. And so, you know, he's 27, and I have to say, uh, dating apps, like, with the younger generation, everybody's so beautiful on there. I was like... I want to date that guy. Yeah, it's like, what do you... I was like, um, you know, you can't make a bad choice here. They all look good, I was telling a friend of mine the other day about the dating apps. I said, I am more judgmental. Um, It's like going through a Sears catalog, you're just... Right, <laughs> right, and I said, and the sad, th- sad reality is, there's probably some of the women that I didn't select that if I was to meet them in everyday organic life, probably absolutely love them. But yeah, yeah, it's and it's sad that it's like I, I do think that you can tell a lot from a photo and how they write and you know the words they choose I don't to read put them. together. You don't read any. <laughs> <laughs> so the difference between a man and a woman, maybe, because I, I would read them when I, I, I maybe would that's why I'm not getting very liked. I don't write. You should write my dating profile. <laughs> yeah, you'll, I'll get you lots of dates. Though. I've done that for people before. <laughs> You'll, you'll have all kinds of women then. So I was yeah. in the bar one night, and this is a bar I frequented when I lived here. And I'm sitting there, and I'm paying, and I'm, this girl come up and talk to me, and not really paying attention. I'm answering answer questions, one-word questions, I'm looking for my... And she walks off, and Tiffany, the bartender, comes up to me, and she said, what the hell is wrong with you? Well, I haven't even paid you. What do you mean? What's wrong with me? I thought she was... Do you want a list or <laughs> She said, that girl was hitting on you. I said, what girl? You didn't even notice. <laughs> she said, the girl you were talking to. Like, and she was a really young, nice looking, really beautiful, probably one of the prettiest girls that was in here. And you just ignored her. Oh. Did you go? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking around. Has she, has she left yet? <laughs> well, she and go? then Tiffany's like, it's too late, dude. Even if you go up, you just totally ignored her. Are and you really clueless when... I mean, do you you see that sometimes, don't you? Like, I I, I might see it more now. 
but then I was clueless, and yeah. Tiffany said something to me about it, and I said, uh, you got to remember, Tiffany, just what I told you, when I got married, we didn't have internet. So I, yeah. it's so been so long since I've but dated. But people are people are people, and it's a, it is a whole different game out there right now, and and uh, and it's I don't know, it's kind of it's it's fun. I you know friends, I'm had been dating somebody now, but I you know friends who are like actively on sites and whatever, and and um, the dating sites like I, I I met some really good people off. I have friends that are still you know we had went on a few dates and. It, it wasn't a right fit. Not that mm-hmm. there was anything wrong with them, but it just wasn't a right fit. And, um, you know, but the, I don't know, the dating sites are kind of fun. Right. I, I think they're fun. <laughs> well, it, it, it probably would be it as was, a woman, but as a yeah. guy from, like I talked to one woman, she showed me her, one of her dating sites, and she showed me her messages from today. It was 99 yeah. plus messages. Oh my goodness. From today. Yeah. And I thought, so she must be because I ninety nine guys didn't read a profile. They probably looked at her picture and right. messaged her. <laughs> right. They didn't read the profile. And what that tells me is she's lost in a sea of information. And how, you know, am I gonna stand out in that? What do you gotta do to stand out in that? Do I wanna put that much effort in to stand out in that? And then even even some of the women I meet organically and think, Hey, I think I'd like to go go out go out with her. And then I get to thinking through the process, and I get exhausted of thinking about dating. And that's one reason why uh, the woman I was dating before, her and I still have dinner. It's it's just comfortable. I can go have dinner with her. There's no expectations. There's no... It's like we're this old platonic married couple. Uh, and people in town are like, you guys are... <laughs> of course you're dating. You guys just don't know it. And, we go back and forth as to who's going to pay. I mean, she's got the money to pay for stuff, and um, and I've got the money to pay for stuff. So we always do that, but it's uh, – oh, no, so here's another rule. You did ask rules. I don't ask where you want to eat. That's a rule of yours? It is a rule of mine. Now, if you have mentioned a restaurant that you like or a place that you like or that you enjoy, okay, I might go there. But I'm not going to get you in the car and we're driving to so Ramona, so what do you want to eat? Okay, so it's something you already have planned out. So you're a planner. You, uh, you like to like, hey, we're going to go here and we're going to do that. And then I would imagine is probably what you're hoping is that they're going to say, oh, there? No, let's not go there. <laughs> or they're, they're going to be, hopefully, that's awesome. Let's go do that. I was talking to the woman I lived with that I loved here in Washington uh, earlier this week about that very thing. Because uh, she said, I was so mad at you. Because I took her to this restaurant. Uh, it's up here off 164th, Petra. Petra House. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I pull in, and she's like, I don't even like this food. I said, have you ever ate Moroccan food or any type of Mediterranean food? She's like, no. I said, well, I'm hungry. I'm driving. I'm paying. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, eating it now. <laughs> if you don't like it, we'll stop at we'll McDonald's. We'll get you some dolmas and you're going to Well, she was a, a McDonald's. A uh, she was a McDonald's dollar menu type girl. Little Caesar's Pizza. I mean, she had three boys and that's what she, mm. that's how she did it. And I said, look, if you don't like it, I'll take you to McDonald's. We're golden. She loves that place. It's one of her favorite restaurants See? to this day. Yeah, yeah. So jumped off the boat. 
she jumped off the boat. She said, I was so angry with you. Then I put that food in my mouth. I was like, oh, Did you sit God. at one of the low tables? Uh, we did, with, the, with yeah. the rose water. Yeah, and they came and washed your hands. And yes. yeah, yeah. Well, and that's so, part of what I wanted her to see is this whole experience. And, uh, and she did tell me, she said, one of the things I enjoyed about us dating was I got to experience food and find out that there's actually good wine. Oh, <laughs> not the box stuff. <laughs> what? The was it English Estates? We uh, went to English Estates because I was oh, a member there. they have a there. bib. They do have a bib. Yeah. They do. <laughs> and uh, a bib is basically a box wine, but it's really good. Yeah, how do they say that? It's um, b- uh, something in a beautiful box. Uh, I don't remember it. It's been two years. I'm gonna have to B- go Bottle in a beautiful box. Maybe that's what it is. When it keeps it fresher yeah. longer. Yeah, it, yeah, because it, it's got that, bl- oh, it's a bladder. It's a bladder, yeah. and if you're putting it in that, so if you think box wine, you're thinking Franzi, well, you're not putting great yeah. wine in there, but well, if you put a good wine in there, it, it keeps it better It keeps longer. it good, and there's that black box that's pretty good, that wine oh, yeah. that, yeah, I went to Thanksgiving Not dinner. that I keep a bottle of wine long enough for it to go back. Which I never understood. No oxidation on your, on your part. Yeah, we, well, this is all theory right like, now. People keep wine that long? I don't some understand. of them do, yeah. Some of them do, I guess. Yeah. But I took her there, and they had a wine and chocolate thing. This is probably around Christmas or Valentine. And she got the experience eating the wine and tasting the chocolate and drinking the wine again, and it just the complexity of flavors that takes place. Yeah, yeah. And the fun thing about that was watching her eyes just, you know, oh, my God. Yeah. So on my dating profile, when I had it up, um, this is what I loved about dating love about <laughs> is all the, the the cool experiences of what people do and and what moves them and and like what oh i just you know like that like mediterranean food this woman had a great experience at the uh-huh. petra house because you took her there nobody in her sphere would have taken her there she would have already experienced that right she had to go outside it and and meet somebody who said like Hey, I'm driving. This is where we're going. And if you don't like it, we'll we'll drive through McDonald's later. <laughs> yeah, like, and I, and I admit I've had women say, "Well, that's a bit of an ass thing to do." Yeah. Well, and if she would have said, "No, I am not going in." Let's, well, let's then go we'd over have found here. something else. This I had a plan B. is right on the corner. Let's go there. Right. I had a plan yeah. B. But and then that's what I I I read a book called Mister No More No More Mister Nice Guy, Doctor Robert Glover. Uh, it's a Marriage and family therapist that's been divorced three times out of Seattle. <laughs> and, uh, and he basically, he, there's two concepts. One, you teach people how to treat you. And the other one is you create the life you want. And if mm-hmm. someone wants to join you, great. If they don't, you've got the life you want. And one of the examples he uses in the book is that he was dating a woman and he had made plans to go kayaking there on Washington, Lake Washington in Seattle for the weekend, for, on Saturday. She called up and said, hey, I'm wanting to go shopping Saturday. He's like, I don't want to go shopping. He said, now, the old Mr. Nice Guy me would have canceled the plans of what I wanted to do and went shopping and would have been miserable. And uh, that would have later led to conflict in our relationship. Mm-hmm. He said, the new... No more Mr. Nice Guy Me. So you know what? I That sounds great, but I've already got plans. I've been looking forward to this. The weather's great. Can we meet later and we'll go have dinner? And it worked out. And that was something that happened with one woman that I was dating. I, I love the symphony. 
Hmm. And I had gotten tickets from a friend of mine who's a season holder to a winter production at the symphony. So we go down there and I take her and within 10 minutes, she's miserable. She does not like it. She's fidgeting. She just does not like it. I can tell, but she's putting up with this because she knows how much I enjoy it. So I've got two options. Stay here and enjoy this. Or as soon as the curtain lifts for us to go out, for everything was for intermission, we walked out and I said, you know what, let's just go for a walk and get something to eat. I'm hungry. And so that's what I did. Mm. And it changed the dynamic of the evening. We had a great night. And I just learned a lesson. Don't never take her to the symphony. So. Yeah. And was that her first experience at Right, but she doesn't like to sit still anywhere. I, I mean, if I take if if that woman if I take her to see a movie, it's just not going to go well. Okay, so you learned a little bit, and that's and that's what I had on my dating profile. I sort of is that I, I view dating and 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 just interaction with other people, but specifically dating uh, is learning more about myself, learning about others, and learning about self through others. Right. And I don't think you can get those those lessons, those deeper lessons, without having. I know there's something really unique about the, you know, dating, and you know that you you come across these lessons that are different than what you do with your own normal friends. Who you do, and, and about yourself. I mean, um, back to that book and lessons learned. I was wasn't really a date, but I'm with a woman. Uh, we had ridden together. I was ready to go. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I had to go to work the next day. I'm ready to go. Uh, I said, I'm ready to go. She's like, okay. So she gets up, and she was ready to go to it, I thought. I got my jacket on. An hour later, I'm still standing there while she's telling people bye. And I was just like, I'm starting to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a friend of mine came up, and he says, I thought you were leaving. I said, I am. He said, well, just go. You know? And this was in Athens. It's a small town. She didn't live that far away. Everybody that was in there was her friends. They'd given her rides home before. I mean, she was in a safe place. And I thought for a second, I thought, you know what? He's right because I'm getting mad at her when in reality I need to be getting mad at me. Somewhere mm -hmm. along the line, I've taught her that it's okay to waste my time like this. And I, the longer I stay here, the more angry I'm going to get. I don't like getting yeah, angry. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I, I went, got in the car, I texted her. I don't hear nothing from her for about five minutes. I went home. And then, um, you know, we had a conversation about it later. But now if we're going someplace, I usually say, do you want me to pick you up or do you want to ride? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's interesting because you just said um, that she's wasting my time where she could be looking at you thinking, well, how come he's not saying his goodbyes and how come he's not engaged and how come he's not going through this, like almost a ceremony of saying goodbye, like, you know, yeah. oh, he's a jerk. <laughs> well, know, so she could have her own stories about why you're just standing by the door. Her right. daughter, uh, we were out at dinner one night. It wasn't dinner, it was the same place. It was just a small town, so one place really to go eat and hang out with friends and family. And she was in there one night, and I come in. I think I'd gotten off work, and it was open, so I stopped in. I get something to eat. Her daughter was there. They're in their own world. We're all sitting at the bar together, but they're in their own world talking. I got done and left. Paid my tab, went to the bathroom, and left. And then uh, the next day, she said, yeah, my daughter asked me where you went. No, she said, I turned around and looked. I thought, well, he's been in the bathroom for a long time. She said, finally asked my daughter, 
Where'd he go? She's, oh, he left like an hour ago. <laughs> she said, is he mad at you or something? And she said, no. That's just Scott. He just does that. <laughs> he just does he just that. Goes. Just me. Well, what we've got oh, what, an, almost two hours in. That wasn't that hard. Oh, no, that wasn't. That was two hours. Wow. Yeah, we're yeah. almost two hours. What's well, an hour yeah. and 53 minutes? Oh, gosh. You edit this down, right? No. <laughs> no. No. People listen to this? They do. Uh, I've, I do not edit it. The only thing I do to it is I'll put an intro and exit. I might cut a little bit off at the front because we were still just kind of dinkering around dinking around with the microphones and the headphones and stuff like that that is scott a bridwell okay so uh but no and i might do some video enhancements i'll listen to it see if i need to equalize or do anything like that to it but no well it was fun well thank you for doing it was a lot of fun i wasn't sure where we were going to go with it or you know, if you would, like you, you just had questions off the top of your head, even. So it's that was just a free flow thing. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever walked in with notes. Um, people, well, okay, back to the dating thing, and and if you let people talk, they'll talk. It, and that is, yeah, it's ask the right questions and just sit back and watch the show. <laughs> Which is what I try to tell people when they go into an interview: answer the question and shut up. Yeah. Be sincere, be succinct, and sit down. <laughs> That's right. Answer <laughs> the question. <laughs> Shut up. Because they ask yeah. a lot of open-ended questions in job interviews. and Same thing in dating or you're looking for stuff. Um, oh. Here, I have a question for you, though. Anything you want. Why are you dating? Why am I? Yeah. What are you looking for? Or are you? I mean, what's the purpose of you dating? I'm not dating. I'm not besides dating. this one woman that you have dinner with twice a week. Once or twice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, why do I see her? Is that your question? No, no. I okay. was just... So I I was dating just because it was fun. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I have had friends who... Um, you know, I, I... You know, I probably felt this way. You know, because I didn't... Like, I didn't get married to be single... Right. Right. I I got married thinking I was gonna have a partner for my life, and then I you know, I'm single. So you know, the thing I was like, oh, you know, am I gonna be alone? You know, whatever. And then I don't know. I had I had fun dating, dating, um, getting to know people and stuff. It's um, and I would have guys, it's funny because I view guys as being players, but I would have guys asking me if I was a player. Because I wasn't necessarily looking for a relationship. Right. And uh, you know, and I would say, well, I'm. I'm not opposed to a relationship. I'm just, I'm just open to the possibilities is what I would say. I'm open to possibilities of where this may or may not lead. But at the end, I hope that we can at least be friends, you know, whichever one. So are you still friends with the guys you dated? I am several of them. I am too. Several of the women I've dated, I'm still friends with. uh, Yeah. They call me for advice or they'll call, you know, about who they're dating with or they'll. Or nothing. Yeah. Or if I'm in town, I might, hey, I'm in town. You want to grab lunch? Yeah. Uh, not I, that I'm looking for anything intimate. Not that I'm opposed to anything intimate, but it's just not the goal of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's friendship and stuff. So anyway, I just, Well, that that's question, the thing with, with this one woman in particular. It, sh- it is a friendship. We share a lot of mutual friends. Um, again, we'll usually meet for dinner. She was... Um, she was amazing. The the day my dad died, she was one of the first persons I called. Mm. 
And she said, do you need me to come over? And I'm like, it's about to get chaotic here. And you don't know any of my family hardly. And I'm going to feel like I need to be there talking to you. And she's like, just call me if you need anything. And so and she was amazing. And so later that mm. night when things had calmed down, my brother was there at the house. I messaged her. I said, hey, I'm going to uh, this restaurant. She's like, I'll meet you there. So we went and met and had dinner. And, mm. And so that was good. So she's just that friend. Um, so she's just a really, really good friend. Um, that, you know, we had a good relationship. We had a good time together. Things, and we didn't have a fight. It was just she started her business up, and my work hours changed. And what time I was spending with her was, like, building racks or doing stuff like that to help get her business up and going or, or moving stuff into the shop. And then, oh, I got to go to work. And so we just... And then it just kind of yeah. fizzled out. I don't yeah. know if it's that. It just, it, I don't know. And yeah. so. Yeah, I, and that's, that's fine. I just, but why would I, I date? Well, like I said, I'm, on one hand, I'm picky. Uh, I have a certain type, not type, but I have a certain image or whatever. Uh, it's very limited where I live. Uh, also, a lot of women there are. I can't are, imagine in Athens. <laughs> well, and, and I, get, I get some of these southern women or somewhat pretentious mm. in the sense that my barber's a woman, right? And she told me one day, she was cutting my hair, she said, the women around here just really aren't your type. So what's my type? <laughs> Dating <laughs> advice from your barber. <laughs> right. And she said, uh, probably someone more adventurous, someone a little bit more worldly than what you're going to find around here. Okay, maybe you do know me. <laughs> and then my aunts would come up to me well, you need to find yourself a good woman well your definition of a good woman and mine might be <laughs> two different things <laughs> two yeah. different things but then I'd sit around and watch my aunts and I, I literally said this my dad and my uncle was there and my, my aunts were all sitting there and they're just bickering and going back and forth with my dad and my uncles and just doing that whole me at them and finally, I said, you guys realize you're the reason I don't want to get married again. <laughs> if this is what I got to live with yeah, at that yeah. age, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, check out. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't found, I guess for me, if it's an organic thing, I'll be okay with it. Uh, but even like on the dating sites, I rarely message first. Rarely. And um, and then, you know, the one time I did, I, the freaking psycho shows up and sweats and bottle to drink out of. So I had I had a I had a rule when I was dating <laughs> on on especially on those sites. Um I wouldn't date any men who were from um <laughs> so my apologies to any men out there from these areas, but um if they were from Columbia County, Washougal, Battleground, Longview, like if they lived outside the city at all, I I wouldn't I wouldn't respond to to the request or or date them. <laughs> See, and like, so I, women who put those filters with those little ears and noses and stuff. Yeah. I mean, or I, the men holding the fish. What those is that? Those, I don't know. I think it's supposed to say that they're a good provider. I, like in that they're adventurous and they, they have a hobby, which I, I get. That's awesome. And shirtless but, makes it better, I bet. <laughs> there was one guy, I kid you not, there was one guy, he was sitting in his fishing boat and there was blood all over the boat and he's holding a fish. <laughs> it's like, oh. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I want in my future. That's too much blood for one fish. <laughs> you got a slaughterhouse Dexter. taking place. <laughs> yeah. Dexter. Oh. All right, Mona. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. I got to get stopped. See, I told you that was fun, right? Ramona was great. I really appreciate her taking time out of her busy schedule to sit down with me for those two hours. I know it was uh, a lot to ask of her with the busy schedule that she's got, but I do really appreciate it. Hey, you can find more of these episodes at scottabridwell.com. I'm also on Stitcher, iTunes. uh, I think I'm on SoundCloud. I'm on a bunch of those different podcasting apps like Pocket Cast and things like that. Or, like I said, you can go straight to scottbridwell.com or even Podbean where I host this and you can listen to them there. Be sure to subscribe. Also, feel free to check out my website. It's scottabridwell.com. Again, that's scottabridwell.com. Not only do I list uh, these podcasts on there, I also have some writings that I do, kind of a little blog I got going on. And follow me on Facebook. I'm not too hard to find. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, maybe a couple other social networking apps as well in the meantime stay tuned we got dale chumbly coming up on episode number seven talk to you later bye